0: Hey everybody, my friends at the Compass Church, at all campuses, I'm thinking of you at our Wheaton and Hobson and 95th and Bolingbroke. Welcome to my prayer closet. You know, I am so excited. We're going to dive into a, some teaching of Jesus on prayer found in Matthew 6. And we're going to do a little things a little differently today. We're going to mix it up. I'm going to intersperse our study in Matthew 6 with times of prayer and times of worship. It's going to be fun, and I hope you're blessed by it. So shall we? Matthew 6, starting in verse 6. Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. When you pray, go into your room. You know that word room, the old, the old King James says, into your closet. And the word translated room literally means your private chamber, your secret place. Do you have a place that you meet with God? You need to. You need to have maybe a couple of them. They don't necessarily have to be in a dark closet. You might do better outdoors or in your car or in some beautiful room in your house. But that place that you meet with God transforms into the most important spot in the universe. Yes, that's a big statement, but I mean it. That spot becomes more important than the throne room of a king. That spot becomes more important than the Oval Office. And Why is that? Because you are about to have FaceTime, a private meeting with the God of the universe. With the king of kings, with the one who has made it all, who's infinite in time and majesty. He's drawing near to meet with you. Well, that's what we're here to talk about. Jesus says, go into that room, close the door. Why, why close the door? I think the emphasis there is seeking privacy, but also seeking to minimize distractions. Very practical. Jesus goes on. He says, pray. To your father who is unseen. Why does Jesus mention that the father is unseen? Isn't that obvious? Well, he calls it out because it's awkward talking with someone that's invisible. (laughs) Let's just admit it, you know, having a conversation with someone you can't see can make you feel like a fool. And Jesus says, though he's unseen, (laughs) he's present, he's real. One of the things I do is sometimes just mention it like Jesus did. Lord, I'm here to talk with you. I know you're invisible, but that does not take away from the fact that you are real, you are present, you are near, you are attentive. And yes, I am going to talk with an invisible being. That's what prayer is. Though God cannot be seen, he is ready to engage you in life-transforming conversation. So, here you are, in your prayer closet, you've acknowledged God's invisible presence, and you say, Lord, let's talk. What are we going to talk about? That's the next logical question, is what will be the content of our conversation? This can be very stressful. You know, some people, to get over that awkwardness, have actually memorized little prayers. Prayers that they say at a meal, prayers that they say at bedtime. Those memorized prayers can just be, you know, called upon and said quickly, but I don't think that's what we should really be talking about. You know, hearing someone just rehearse memorized lines is not the heartfelt conversation the Lord's looking for. So what are we going to talk about? Do you ever have a conversation with someone and you kind of ran out of things to talk about? <laughs> you had that awkward silence where you're like, look down, kind of look around. Prayer can feel that way. It can feel like that awkward conversation where I really don't know what to talk about. Jesus understands, and so he's helpful. As this passage progresses, Christ tells us, talk to the Lord about this. And he tells us what to talk with him about through what's called the Lord's Prayer. We're about to read it. The Lord's Prayer, sometimes called the Our Father, is extremely popular among Christians. Yet ironically, the Lord's Prayer is most commonly used through memorizing it and then repeating it. Some people repeat it over and over and over and over again. I think it's rather ironic that the Lord's Prayer is used in a way that Jesus is about to tell us, don't use it that way. The Lord's Prayer, unfortunately, is misused more often than it's used correctly. Let me show you what Jesus says. This is right before he gets into the Lord's Prayer. He says in verse 7, When you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need even before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Then he goes into the Lord's Prayer. What did he just tell us? Don't keep babbling like the pagans. They think God will hear them because they keep saying the same thing over and over and over. They're babbling. And, and, And Jesus is saying, don't be a babbler, would you? Don't think that God will be impressed by how many times you say the same thing. It's not what God's looking for. The passage says, this then is how you should pray. I think that's significant. Jesus doesn't say, this then is what you should pray. He's not calling us to repeat these words, but rather he's showing us how we should pray. I believe what he's saying there is that the Lord's Prayer was given to be a model of how we should pray. This is the the categories or content that you should discuss with God. And so that's how I use the Lord's Prayer. I've recognized in the Lord's Prayer that there are four categories or four topics that we should talk with them about. I call them the four R's. As you'll see, I've found four R words that relate to the four categories in the Lord's Prayer. And praying through those four R words, I've found to be tremendously helpful. And man, my prayer is that you will as well. So what's the first? The first of those four categories of prayer is revere. First our revere. And that's found in the next verse, verse 9. Our Father begins with just that. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. All right, let's just admit it. That's some ancient language that you probably need some help with, as did I. We don't use the word hallowed very much. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed is a a word that simply means honored or revered or praised be your name. Jesus encourages us to start our time of prayer with revering or praising God. Specifically, revering his name. In, in the ancient culture, somebody's name represented the totality of who they are and their reputation, what they've done. And I really think that's helpful. When we turn to praise God in prayer, we can start by praising Him for who He is and then what He's done. That's His name, who He is, what He's done. And I do that. I, I'll start by praising God for who He is. I, I like to find a specific attribute that I just love about God. And I'll start by praising him regarding that attribute. Now, really specifically, it looks for me like this. I, I use a prayer journal. I open it up every day, and I write the date. And then I start with that word, revere. And I say, Lord, I just want to praise you. I write it down because my mind very easily wanders in prayer. Maybe you don't have that struggle. I hope you don't. But the, the pen on paper helps me stay focused. And so I'll write Revere, and then I'll say, Lord, you know what I love about you? I love that you are. Now, sometimes I, I've just done my Bible study and have seen in Scripture an attribute of God described. And so I'll write down the attribute I just saw in Scripture. I'll say, Lord, I was reminded that you are faithful. When the world lets me down, you will not. And I just, I love that about you. I'll praise him for that attribute. Maybe it's his joy. Maybe it's his relational desire for intimacy. Maybe it's his strength or maybe it's his love. You know, God's attributes are so broad, and every day we can find a new one to praise him about. So, what do you love about God? Start by praising him for. Who he is. Do you remember I mentioned that his name reflects who he is, but also what he's done. In that revere portion, we can also praise God for his faithfulness and his goodness in our lives. What has God done for you? What can you praise him about? some of the things that he's done for us are huge, like our salvation. You know, we can say, Lord, I am forgiven because of what Christ did on the cross, and I just want to. Thank you and praise you for what you did. Jesus died on the cross to take away my sin. And I sit forgiven and reconciled and headed to heaven for eternity. I think often we should praise God for our salvation. But the praising him for what he's done doesn't have to always be huge things like our salvation. Maybe you're enjoying a cup of coffee. You can say, Lord, I received this as a gift from you. I realize all gifts come from you. And even this cup of coffee, thank you, Lord. You are a faithful provider and I praise you for all your gifts. Folks, we start by praising or revering God for who he is and what he's done. Now, sometimes I actually play a song you know, I reach over to my stereo and I play a worship song to help me in my revere portion of my prayer time. If I could grab a guitar and play it. I would, but I can't, so I use the stereo. You know, we're blessed right now. We can spend some time in prayer together, revering God through music. We have our worship teams ready at all four of our campuses, so let's pause in our study right now together to pray through music by revering or praising God. All right, everybody, back into my prayer closet here. So we've done Revere, the praise portion of the Lord's Prayer. It's time for us to go on to the second R. You ready? And it is revival, praying for revival. It's a kind of churchy word, but let me just explain. Revival is praying for God's cause to come alive, to advance, to grow, to be healthy. And there's how Jesus expresses it. This is verse 10, as the Lord's Prayer continues. Jesus said, pray this way, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, your kingdom come. Let's talk about that. Where do I get revival from? Well, First of all, God's kingdom is his team. It's the community of people and angels who live in submission to his kingship, who are devoted to his cause. Now, unfortunately, that's not everybody. There's another kingdom, a kingdom of darkness, a kingdom of evil, a kingdom composed of angels and people who are living in rebellion and disregard for God's authority. And at times, often, those kingdoms are at war. And so the question arises, who will prevail? Who's going to win? And there are times when it feels like the kingdom of darkness is winning the day in our community. And there are other times where it unmistakably feels like God is advancing. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He says, your kingdom, come, come. Like, a, like an army advancing over the terrain. I, I think of The Lord of the Rings. I, I loved the, that movie trilogy. And in the last of the movies, there's a battle sequence where the good guys are, are, are walled up inside of the capital city, and the, the kingdom of evil and darkness is attacking their city and destroying their walls. And it looks like evil is going to win. At that very moment, the allies of the people in the city, they arrive to help. Oh, it's a glorious scene. The the horizon suddenly is filled with this army of impassioned soldiers there to rescue their friends. And this call for help has gone out, and help has arrived. And sure enough, these allies, like a mighty wave, come down into the valley and destroy the evil army. Folks, that's what we're praying for. We're saying, God, let your kingdom come. Let your your cause sweep across this land and win the day. You know, Jesus helps us understand what that looks like when he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth just like your will is done in heaven. In heaven, God's kingdom's in perfect display. Everybody in heaven follows God's kingship. Here on earth, it's it's a mixed bag. But when we cry out, Lord, on earth, let your will be done. Let your reign be recognized and obeyed here as it is up there. What we're crying out for is revival. We're saying, God, we want your cause to prevail. Please, God, may your cause win the day. Now, here's how that may look in our personal prayer time. I'll, I'll grab my prayer journal. And after it says uh, revival, after I say revival, I'll I'll start saying, what do I want to pray for revival regarding? Sometimes I look big. I say the world. And I think of global missions. And I think of missionaries and countries that I'm aware of are uh, battling. They're all battling, I suppose. But I pick one, and I pray that God's cause would advance. His kingdom would prevail in that land. I pray for those missionaries that I might know. Other days, it's not so much global, but rather, I pray for our country, the great United States of America, and ask for God's revival to win the day here. Other times, it's Chicagoland. Still, other times, I'll pray for our church or one campus of our church. Other times, I pray for revival in my neighborhood, You may want to pray for a revival at your workplace, that those who don't know Christ would come to know Christ. That's one way his kingdom advances. We can pray for our family, that his kingdom would advance there. Maybe every day you need to write revival and just kind of pause. What what arena should I pray for the cause of Christ to advance today? You know what? Let's do this. Let's pray for a revival right now together. In fact, I'd like to lead you in a prayer of revival. Let's pray for our church, shall we? The Compass Church, all four campuses. In fact, let's work our way and pray for each of the four campuses. It's kind of fun. Here we go. Ready? All four campuses working together to pray for one another. Join me. Lord, we're praying for revival, God. We long to see your kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, advance in the Compass Church. Lord, let's start with Wheaton. We love the Wheaton campus. 65 years of faithfully serving you, Lord. And yet we believe the best is yet to come. So would you work through our Wheaton campus in the days ahead? Work through Rick and Dave as they lead. But God, we pray that great evangelistic fruit would be won at our Wheaton campus, that many who don't know you in the days ahead will come to know you eternally through our ministry in Wheaton. Lord, we pray for our Hobson campus. Praise God for that huge group of people, thousands of people, and for Daryl, their faithful leader. God, would you empower them? Would you bring revival at the Hobson campus in the days ahead? May the spiritual temperature go up. May the passion for you, may they love you more, so more love you. God, we do pray that you'd grip the hearts of the people at the Hobson campus and advance your cause in their hearts in this coming season. We pray for the 95th Street campus. Lord, we praise you for Brett Lilly. What an incredible leader you have entrusted to that group Lord, would you make the days ahead extraordinary. We just pray, Lord, that they would be a mighty army going out into their community there in South Naperville, yielding fruit like they've never seen before. God, we pray that discipleship would happen and young believers would be raised up to be rock solid servants of yours. And then Brook, Oh, God, thank you for our Brook campus. We just love the people who are part of New Song Church, and we thank you for the honor of them being a part of our church family. Lord, they've been serving you for 25 years, and yet it's the future that we cry out for now. God, that campus so longs, and we so long, to see them rise up in strength for ministries to start and for leaders to be recognized and for your cause to go forward with great effect in the coming months in Bolingbrook, bring revival to Bowlingbrook. Boling- Lord, let your kingdom come to our land. Let your will be done here as it is in heaven. Come, Lord, come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, what have we done? We've done revere, worship the Lord. We've done revival, praying for his cause. Did you notice that everything so far has been God-centric? Praising how great he is, praying for his cause. You may wonder, are we ever going to get to pray about me? (laughs) Don't worry. Now it's time. We get to the next R, which is requests. Requests. This is where you cry out to God for things. Do you know what prayers of request are called? Sometimes it's called supplication. So let's talk about supplication. Jesus phrases it this way. Uh, He continues in the Lord's Prayer in verse 11. He says, give us today our daily bread. There's a request for you. Lord, give us our daily bread. We need you to provide food for us. Now, Christ is not limiting our requests to food, but using food as an example of what it means to cry out for your own needs. God wants us to look to him to meet our needs. He wants us to look to him to meet our needs today and tomorrow. And then the next day. I love daily bread. It it emphasizes perpetual dependency. I'll depend on you today for today's bread, and tomorrow I'll be back on my knees looking to you again. That's who the people of God are to be. People on their knees constantly relying, depending, crying out for him to provide. So good for us, this prayer of request. It's good for us because we live in a culture that emphasizes independence, self-sufficiency. You can do it. And as Christians, we say, no, I can't. I need you, Lord. You're my only hope. And so what needs do you have? Are you bringing them to Jesus? What where do you need him to show up? Some people make the mistake of saying, I don't really need to ask him to show up. If he wants to show up and provide, he will. Not necessarily. Here's an interesting verse, James 4.2. You do not have because you do not ask. See what that's saying? It's saying that many times God wants to bless, but he waits. He waits to be asked. And sometimes... We just don't have because we've not looked to him. So we must, in our prayer time, bring prayers of request and say, God, I'm here crying out to you to meet these needs. What are your needs? Bring them to Jesus. Well, one more little observation. It says, give us today our daily bread. That's plural. It doesn't say, give me my daily bread. The emphasis there is that we're crying out for the needs, yes, my needs, but also our, the community needs as well. This is a chance for you to pray for those in your family and friends who you know have a need. Ask for God to meet their need as well. This is a great moment for us to practice praying for the needs of each campus. So let me do this. Let me ask the campus pastor at each campus to lead your campus in a time of praying for needs. Your campus, the people of your campus have needs. So campus pastor, lead them in prayer. Isn't it good to bring our request to God? Do you feel his compassion and concern? It's real, and he heard and he will respond. All right. So what have we done so far? We've, we've had revere, praising God, and revival, praying for his cause to advance. We've brought our request to the Lord. And the fourth R is repent. Repent. Here we go. Turning now to verse 12 and 13. Jesus encourages us to pray this way. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now let me be clear, when we pray, forgive us our debts, we're not talking about financial debts, but moral debts. We're asking God to forgive the sins we have committed. Lord, just as we are gracious and forgiving of others, hopefully you are, So we say, Lord, forgive my sin. That's the first part of the concept of repentance. To repent literally means to turn, to recognize the folly of your ways, and to change your mind and turn the other direction. So it starts with, forgive my past, but then here's the second part of repentance. Remember Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is speaking of the future. It's saying, Lord, forgive my past failure, but now in the future, lead me away from temptation. I don't want to go there anymore. I'm done messing up in that way. I don't want Satan to have victory in this area of my life anymore. It is my commitment to follow in the path of righteousness. That's repentance. Two, two parts. First saying, Lord, I am seriously sorry for the sin I committed. Secondly, I want to turn and live a different way. Don't do half of the repentance. Some people are asking for forgiveness knowing that they're very committed to continuing in that sinful lifestyle. You can't do that. Full repentance means forgive my past and lead me your way. And So when it's time to repent, you grab your prayer journal and you write the word repent, and you start confessing your sin. It's a little awkward writing it down, isn't that? You worry about somebody coming along and going, whoa. Some people use code to try to hide the specifics of their sin. The Lord knows what you're referring to. But cry out, Lord, you know what I did yesterday, this morning. You know what I've done my whole life. Well, whatever way I'm convicted of sin, I bring it to you. And I ask for forgiveness. And I ask you to lead me in the path of victory going forward that's repentance some people say wow that's pretty heavy i suppose bringing up your sin to god is a little heavy but i would tell you forgiveness is sweet and so the fruit of repentance is god blessing you with a clean conscience and this burden of guilt being lifted from your shoulders it's great It's like my son Jake, when he comes home from school, his backpack is often so heavy and he's just struggling under the weight and he throws it off his shoulders as it crashes to the floor and the freedom on his face is so beautiful. I once went backpacking in the Rockies and I remember the burden of the weight on my shoulders and I remember how good it feels to get rid of that what happens in repentance. We have this nagging guilt that feels like our failure's with us. But when we bring it to God in prayer, look him in the eyes, just own it, and ask for him to wash us clean and give us a fresh start, he will every time. Folks, you and I, we need the freedom that repentance can bring. So here's what I want to do. I'd like to close our journey together with a time of repentance. We're going to use a song to bring our sin and repent. In this final song in our service today, this will be a chance for us to confess our sin and enjoy the sweet breeze of forgiveness that the Lord will bring our way. But before we sing that song, I want to do a quick review. The well-balanced prayer, according to Jesus' four hours, remember? It's It's revere, praise God first. It's revival, pray for his kingdom to advance. It's requests, bring your needs to him. And it's repent, bring your sins to him for forgiveness. In fact, let's repent through this song right now.